Hello and welcome to the Food Fight podcast from EIT Food. I'm Matt Eastland and today we're hanging out backstage at the Venture Summit in Lisbon, Portugal. So this big event that we have every year is EIT Food's big startup event where we pull startups, investors and key figures from across the food industry into one place. It's been really amazing. So think health, think sustainability, think food waste. All of the companies here today share motives that go beyond just making a profit. They also want to make a positive change. So with all the expertise on hand, I thought this would be a brilliant opportunity to ask, what does it take to build a purposeful food business and a successful one? So with me to discuss their stories and hopefully share a few tips, I'm absolutely delighted to have with me here, Mark Cudigan, CEO of Ella's Kitchen, the organic and sustainability baby food brand. Hi, Mark. Hi, thanks for having me. And I also have with me Solvega Packsteiter, founder of Mimica. So Mimica are developing a biologically accurate smart packaging that reduces food waste and improves food safety. Hi there, Solvega. Hello, thank you for having me. And thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward to hearing all about that in a minute. But to start, I'd like to ask you both a question. What does purpose mean to each of you in your businesses today? Mark, maybe I can start with you. Um, so at Ellis Kitchen, we have a very clear and distinct purpose, uh, which is to improve children's lives through developing healthy relationships with food. Mm-hmm. I hope my boss isn't listening to this because, you know, we spend a lot of money on our mission. It's why we exist as a company, but we don't expect to have payback from the money we spend. It's okay. just it's just why we exist as a business. And it's interesting, you know, talking about sort of purpose and purposeful businesses. Um, a couple of days ago, I was watching, I never watched the telly, I've got two young children, and I was watching the telly and an advert came on and it was two London ambulancemen talking about how difficult their work was. And at the end, one turned to the other and said, yeah, but we've got pride and we've got purpose in our lives. Right. Um, and I feel everybody should have pride and purpose in their lives. Um, and it's not difficult to make a business purposeful and it's not difficult to give people pride and fulfillment in the work that they do. And so on that point, why is it so difficult then to, you know, you say it's very easy to do, but why is it so difficult to have purpose in, in a business and to keep it going? Well, there's got to be a truth at the core, right? So there are a lot of companies now who are retrofitting, what I call retrofitting purpose into their businesses so they can sell more product or sell more stuff mm-hmm. of what they do. And it's not a, there's not a truth there. They're not actually trying to solve a societal problem. They're just trying to make more money. Yeah. And that's not inspiring. Yeah. And I feel that the companies that are doing it right are approaching it from a different angle. And it's, it's not surprising that the companies doing it right are those that are set up by entrepreneurs because they aren't just interested in the money. Mm. Whereas the companies, the big PLCs that are interested in their quarterly results and posting the, you know, the required uh, increase in sales and increase in profit, they're just looking at different ways in which they can actually increase sales and increase profit rather than how can we help solve some of society's problems. And so I see you're nodding away there as Mark's talking, you know, so does that resonate with you in terms of, you know, what purpose means for you in your business? Right. I mean, just to um, bounce off what you were just saying, I find that quite a lot like of companies that are retrofitting it, they're just seeing purpose as a bit of a trend, which is Mm. hilarious. Um, And uh, I mean, good luck to them. But uh, I feel like it's quite easy to see through that. And I think people do. Um, For me, 
I mean, I never set out to start a company. I uh, first came up with Mimica Touch, which is our, our label that tells you exactly when food spoils as a way for visually impaired people to know when food spoils because it's a tactile system. It changes. Yes, it changes from smooth to bumpy when your food is off according to the actual temperatures it's been through. But then I very quickly realized they're all kind of blind to when our food really goes off. And that's why we waste so much to so then kind of that moved me into like looking at food waste. But I mean, the point is from the start, I felt the reason I went into studying designers because I feel like design is a really powerful tool for changing things and mm-hmm. um, and at, at a scale you design one thing and then it gets replicated millions of times and with my design skills I, I really feel like it'd be, it could be used as a force for good and so when the opportunity came where interest was being shown by the industry in, in what I'd created it was them convincing me to turn it into a company rather than like oh I want to start a company because of I don't know, I want to make money or I want to feel powerful or whatever it is. And so your purpose found you? I, well, I mean, I always knew why, why I was designing, but um, in terms of like starting a company, I wasn't going to compromise on the way I ran it because of the reason, the sole purpose of me setting up this company was to get this thing in the world and, and to reduce food waste and, mm-hmm. and make information more accessible. So from the very start, it's been a very values-driven company because that's like it's run by me and also Lawrence Case and our CEO. And uh, we feel very strongly that it is completely possible to have a values-driven organisation that is also, like, it's, it's, it's completely possible to do good and do well at the same time. So why not? I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I would say that actually go together. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. If you do good, you're more likely to, you know, this is the whole premise of the B Corp movement, I suppose. But if you do good, you're more likely to attract the best people. You'll have more engaged people. You'll be able to connect sure. with your consumers, whoever they are, better. You'll have a more successful company. I mean, it, it's so blindingly obvious. I think an interesting question, not that I'm asking the questions, but if I was, <laughs> is, is, is there a danger that purpose becomes the new greenwashing, mm. you know, mm. becomes the new CSR. I've always found CSR strange in a way because it's a certain department that is delivering that CSR. Yeah. So right. It's almost like this is what the rest of the company is doing, so we better do something good over here because what we're doing, our main part of our business model, isn't doing good. Mm. Whereas purpose, and I hope you agree here, purpose, if it's properly done, it's not the marketing department that's just involved in it. It's everybody. Right. Absolutely everybody in the company should be delivering on that company's purpose. Mm. And you talk about the truth. The truth will out, you know, because if you're involved in a company that's saying it's a purposeful company, but it's actually just a marketing exercise, all those people there are going to know it. And eventually consumers will know it as well. Mm. There has to be that real truth at the core, which the shareholders or the senior team, whoever it may be, the CEO, are totally bought into. So does that mean then that big businesses, you know, the ones who might have started back in the day with purpose and, you know, have kind of grown out, does that mean that they can't get that back? You know, can, you know, you mentioned about retrofitting purpose. Mm. Is it possible as a big business to set to kind of really kind of re-steer your business back to where you want it to be, you know, even given that it's so huge. is that? Do you think that's possible? Do you have to start as a startup and build from there? No, I don't think you have to start as a startup, but there has to be that truth. I, I think it's difficult, you know, if you're a cigarette company, it's obviously going to be difficult to actually have a purpose mm. um, because your business model is, is obviously not doing good for the world. But, you know, you look at Danone and, uh, and what they're doing and Unilever, you know, the field, the, 
there's a feeling that there's a truth behind what they're trying to do. They are trying to change what I would argue, and I always lose people, definitely my wife, when I start talking about this, but the business model that we have at the moment, the capitalist mm -hmm. business model is flawed. It's not working. We can see it through polling. We can see it through everything that's going on and obviously global warming. And this idea, you know, I work, I'm a, a CEO of a division of a PLC. And I'm going to talk about this later. I have one fiduciary duty and one fiduciary duty only. Right. And it's maximize shareholder return. I don't have to care about the people that work for me. I don't have to care about the impact we have on society. And I don't have to care about the planet. My fiduciary duty only is to make as much money as possible for shareholders. Now, that's A, it's not right. Mm. You'd look at that and go, that's not ethical. It's not inspiring. I don't see how you can have a purpose-driven company if that's all you're trying to do. So, and, you know, I don't talk about B Corp the whole time, but that's what the movement's trying to do is, is trying to, you know, get companies to commit to the triple bottom line. Yes, making money is important, mm -hmm. but also... You've got to measure your impact on your people, on society, and your impact on the planet. And they're all at an equal level. Mm -hmm. So me now, you know, Ellis Kitchen is, is, is a B Corp. You know, I can, and we've changed our articles of association, mm -hmm. which is a big deal, to say I am now beholden not just to the money I make. It's like, what's it like to work for me? Mm. What's our gender pay gap? What's our maternity policy? What's our impact on the planet? Do we have science-based goals? Are we carbon neutral? Do we want to be carbon neutral? All these sorts of questions that we ask ourselves because, you know, we're a B Corp. Yeah. I, I think that's right. I think um, uh, it's one thing to to just say to the world we're an equal opportunities employer, but then if your maternity and paternity leave mm. policy is rubbish, then then actually you're just saying one thing and then actually not living your values or what you say, you're saying to the world. So I think it's it's it's... Well, I wouldn't say it is all well and good saying the nice things, but you need to actually follow up on them and let, like live your values and what you say in a tangible way. And, and for us, the way we have we live our eight values is that we all big decisions, all small decisions, um, we're like, OK, is that aligning with our values? And it's just something that you come back to. Not, it's not just like some nice words mm -hmm. to make us all feel good. It's actually how we make decisions. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I, I did an event um, a couple of months ago and I was after, I won't say the name of the company, but they're one of the UK's biggest, most well-known companies. And he was CEO for quite some time and he's recently left and he was talking about their purpose and how this company was a purposeful company. And I was up next and I, I did my sort of bit about Ella's Kitchen and B Corp. And someone asked me at the end, you know, do you think that company is a purposeful company? And I had to answer no. Wow. Like, I really don't think they are. Like, my, um, uh, my challenge to him, if he was still CEO, would be prove it. Mm. Like, prove it. Mm -hmm. um, you can't just say, oh, our business model is, is, is providing people with X and Y, and, and that's why we're a purposeful company. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not enough. So how do you prove it then? I mean, so how do you how do you start proving it and how do you continue proving it so that you kind of you never get to a stage where it just disappears and you know you become like any other of these sort of big faceless organizations who maybe don't have purpose? How do you keep that going? So Solvega, I mean, you you know, obviously you're very purposeful, but how are you proving that to, you know, to your staff, to to your customers? How does that kind of evidence itself in your company? Well, firstly, we talk about it a lot. I think obviously you need to do the doing, but I, th I think just kind of 
mentioning that and making that call too when we're talking to customers that this is the reason why we're we've set up the company and and trying to get them to come along with us with, on that journey too with our team like we really practice kind of patience and understanding kindness to each other because I think it's I think in a high growth startup it's it's easy to kind of lots of things flying around misunderstandings can happen but it's really important just to just assume everyone's best intentions even though like you know there's always scenarios where that can be frustrating when you're building a company so I think we really practice like kindness and respect and as one of our values but I mean in terms of like how to maintain that when we scale I think I'd have to ask you because actually we're just going to start growing the team rapidly over the next couple of years so um, I'm actually curious like we're, we're a team of seven full-time 12 overall but uh, which is still very small but I'm, I'm curious how how to keep that kind of solid foundation that we've built going when as we scale yeah what do you think Mark? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a that's a lot there's a long answer to that um I think it comes down to the people that you you uh, employ mm-hmm. um so we employ people based on values rather than uh, job fit so whether they've done the job before I'm a big believer that, that most people can do most jobs given enough training. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just lazy if you go out and, and hire somebody because they've done a job for a year. Um, so I would say hire people based on fit to the company, based on your on your values. You know, everybody has values. You know, most companies have them stuck on a wall. Mm-hmm. I always find it funny that Enron, the, you know, the world's biggest scandal, their first value was integrity. Yeah. And actually, Arthur Anderson, who, who shredded, what, 20 million documents and now no longer around, part of that scandal, their first uh, uh, value was integrity. I think FIFA also have integrity as their value. So for me, values d- describe how you behave internally with your own people, but also externally. Sure. And they are just the basis. And, and at Ellis Kitchen, they're the basis of everything we do. Um, all of our KPIs are, are against, you know, values. They, they're mentioned every single day. Right. Um, with regards to the mission, I think you just need to keep it living and breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to get everybody involved in the mission. We have, I mean, I could name 20 different things that we do. Um, but in the next couple of months, we will take, we take children from our local area in Reading, at deprived schools, and we take them to um, a market garden so they can see where food comes from. And they spend the day, we, we organise the coaches, we organise lunch. I mean, it's amazing. They're under five, so they're four, four turning five. And they absolutely love it. But they've never seen where vegetables or fruit come from. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible seeing, you know, just seeing them get that sort of knowledge. Anyway, in the next couple of months, we'll take our 10,000th child on. And all of the staff at Ella's go on these trips with the kids so they can see the wonder in their eyes and they can see the impact it has on them. So that's one of the ways. But I think it's really important that everybody in the company feels that they can contribute towards the mission and is living and breathing the mission. It, it should never become, oh, it's that department's responsibility. Right. And it's often the marketing department. Well, marketing have got that. Mm. No, 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 no. This is why we're here as a business. Yeah. And if you keep that truth and if you keep everybody energised... You know, I go back to what I said before, that sort of pride and, you know, having that passion, that purpose, everybody's got to feel that. Because how many uh, team members do you have? We are just getting up to 100. Fantastic. You know, and and because we've kept it alive and real and we've proved it with B Corp certification, you know, we've been in the Sunday Times, top 100 companies to work for in the UK, like five years running. That's because of that. That's because there's that truth. And if we were greenwashing, that wouldn't happen because our employees would just see through it as nonsense. 
and it's really interesting to hear how far Ella's Kitchen's obviously come and it's great to hear all the amazing things you're doing. Going back to like the early days, so you were a challenger brand in a market dominated by huge players and corporations, you know, obviously been around for many, many years. Do you think it's that truth that made Ella's Kitchen stand out? You know, how did you really get that across to people? What was it that made you different? Yeah, and I, one thing I just want to say, I don't want to come across as like super, super worthy, like we're some sort of perfect company, you know what I mean? You can say, like, oh, Completely. I'm a B Corp and we're values and we're amazing and we're number one and like, we make mistakes the whole time. Of course. And we were talking before and you said you didn't want a, a bottle of water. You know, we have single-use plastic in our pouches. Um, now, we didn't, you know, 13 years ago when we started the company, we didn't know that was a problem. Mm. Now we obviously know that that's a problem and we've got plans in place and it's our you know, one of our biggest, our biggest projects at the moment is how we solve that, but we want to solve it in the right way, thinking of carbon and everything like that. So your question about the, the Challenger brand, I, we've never made money and I don't think we've sold any more product because of our mission, right. our purpose. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it genuinely, you know, when we talk about the hard-hitting things that we do, it doesn't really resonate with our consumers. You've just had a baby, you're, you're most emotional, you don't want to hear about the, the terrible things that are going on in the world. It just doesn't, you know, we can see it on social media, it just doesn't get the interaction, mm. I think that's what the youngsters call it, the, the interaction that other things get. So I don't, I don't think we've been successful because we had a mission. I think we've had engaged, happy people who have that pride mm. and that individual purpose in their lives which has driven the company's success. Okay. So, you know, the, you know, the Elon Musk quote, you know, it, it's not hard to put in, you know, uh, long hours for a company that, that you love. Yeah. And, and I think it's that sort of premise that if you've got, it's, it's really simple. My, my job, I think, and, and others in, in the company, as CEO, is to make sure everybody's happy and fulfilled. And I want Ella's Kitchen to be the best place possible for people to work at. And if that happens, we'll be successful. Amazing. And Sol Vega, in terms of the challenges that you've faced as a startup, as a purposeful startup, you know, what, what are the main hurdles that you've come across and you're, maybe you're still trying to solve? Um, I think when we're speaking to potential customers for the first time, we obviously try to open the narrative with like, this is the state of food waste, this is why this is important, this is... The, these are the elements at play making this happen and then we explain the product and then we go to financials at the end so I mean this is a bit of a silly thing but actually more and more we're finding that unfortunately if we put our financials up front and we do have compelling there are compelling reasons to stop for brands to waste less food so I think that's been an interesting thing like there's been times where we've completely cut out the brand, the kind of purpose story out of it and, and we've done well but then we're like well why are we doing this mm. and then we're in the process of bringing it back so it's been kind of a we're much earlier on where so we're kind of more like at the pitching stage but um, that's been an interesting thing about like to what extent do our potential customers actually want to hear why we're doing this and, and to what extent does the, do the financials just need to stack up for them? Okay. And, you know, it's great to get all of these sort of tips, um, you know, from a younger startup and obviously a, a bigger company as well, Mark. So any really great tips that you can give people out there for, you know, big challenges in the early days or, you know, later days of your company. And these are the, these are the top few things that you really need to do to make sure that you overcome them. Is there, is there like a silver bullet out there that will help everyone? 
<laughs> no. no. <laughs> Damn. No, I, I, I don't think so. Right. No. I think, and I've really, really come to this, I guess, in the last few years, that, you know, I'm going to go back to the word integrity, um, which I think is, is such an important word. Um, but I think everybody has to have that personal integrity. Mm-hmm. And integrity, the best uh, description I've ever read of integrity is doing the right thing when no one's watching. Yeah. And I would say everybody's watching. We all have such power now at the moment. If you see the, the movements that have swept across the world, but we all have individual responsibility. We all have personal responsibility. You know, someone asked me the other day when I was doing a talk, you know, what, what should I do if my boss and my company is not interested in sort of B Corp certification or is not interested in being carbon neutral? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you, know, you should try and persuade them and, and try and make the case why they should be interested. But honestly, you should leave, mm-hmm. you know? And if enough of you leave, they will have to change. And we are facing an existential crisis. I saw an astronaut speak the other day, and he was talking about how lots of them have the same feeling when they're up in space and they're looking down at the planet. And they have two feelings. One is, it's absolutely beautiful. And the second one is this, this sadness, because they have this, this, this realisation that hits them that nobody's coming to save us. Mm. Like there's nobody that's coming to save us except ourselves. Mm. And we all have to take responsibility for that in what we buy, Mm -hmm. in how we live our lives, and crucially in the companies that we work at. So we all have this power. We can just go to another company, go to a company that actually fits our values, that fits the, the purpose that we want in our lives. And that's the movement that we need to change things. And I, I really, really believe, you know, business is actually part of a massive part of the solution to the, all of the problems that we're facing at the moment. Yeah. You know, if everybody was happy and fulfilled in, in life, if all businesses were doing things to contribute, to solve society's problems, mm-hmm. wouldn't we live in an amazing place? Mm. And yeah. my question to everyone is, why aren't we? Yeah, mm-hmm. it should be baked into the business model. And so if all businesses were doing the right thing or working to deliver the sustainable development goals, for example, then we'd be in a much better place and mm. our charities would be less strained because there'd be fewer problems that, that could be fixed by a market solution. We might not need them. Yeah. You know, I, I think if, you, if you're a politician and you went out with the, you know, this is, this is my manifesto, is to change all businesses, right? It's just going to change the capitalist model so that all businesses now have to prove that they have a benefit to their people and society and also to the planet and the mm-hmm. environment. I think that would be a winner. I mean, why, why, wouldn't, why shouldn't all companies, why aren't all CEOs, why aren't all boards talking about this? I've got no idea. Oh, I have a, I do know exactly why. They're talking about the next quarter. Yeah. And yeah. they're talking about the algorithm that they need to get an X percent more to drive X, Y, Z. Well, clearly, it's not sustainable. And it can't go on. And, so. and, and cutting teams to just make numbers mm, every quarter. Yeah. And that's just... Brilliant. Yeah, just fire someone. Yeah. And where does that money go? Well, it actually really just goes to shareholders. Sure. Mm. So the other thing, I did a talk recently at a, at a school because this um, six-year-old girl wrote into Ella's Kitchen. Uh, it was a beautiful letter for a six-year-old basically saying she loves Ella's Kitchen, but she's really sad that she can't recycle our pouches. What are we going to do about it? So I wrote her a nice letter back and then we decided... I should go and talk to the class. So I went to talk to the class. Um, and it was 
uh, uh, you know, really properly amazing. And I showed this video of Greta Thunberg and most of the class were messing around. And I turned around to this six-year-old who'd written the letter and she was crying. Um, and it was just amazing how much it had resonated with her. There were some parents there. And, so, uh, and the teacher said, you know, if there's one bit of advice you could give to the children to, so they could make a change, what would it be? And quite controversially, I said, when you go home and you talk to your, your mum and your dad, ask them where their pension is and ask them to move their pension to an ESG fund. Mm. Okay. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So uh, is there a tension there, though? I mean, because... <laughs> Or is it, or maybe it's a like, is it a generational thing? I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around this. Is it because it seems that there's a tension between like short term gain and you know, a like long term mission, but there also seems to be a, a tension maybe between you know, slightly older people in business who've done things a certain way and the new generations coming through. So, how, how do we bridge those gaps? How do we go from short term to long term vision and from like you know, these new generations who are much more idealistic? to kind of almost like overcome these sort of more ingrained ideas in big business. How do we do that? I don't, I don't, think, that, that, I don't think it's that difficult to answer. So I think on any measure, short term, medium term, long term, doing good is, is good for business. Right. It re- really is that simple. Um, and if we come down, back to the word, in, you know, integrity, if you have integrity, if you have your values, if you're going to live and breathe them properly, like really, really simple. We have a mantra at Ella's Kitchen, just do the right thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we always do the right thing because we're humans and we make mistakes and we make bum calls. <laughs> the question is, when we realise we've made a bad call, mm-hmm. what are we going to do about it? Right. Um, so I, I could make the case to you know any big company that if they if they pursue a different way, you know, a different way of of capitalism, they will be more successful. Okay. It's just it, it's so obvious on all of the different levels that you look at. I think it's just amassing more case studies proving that it works as well. I think that there's a quite a bit of cynicism of whether actually doing the right thing is good for business, um, but actually just showing that you know, time and time again this is what's happening and more examples of this, I think that should help. And, and um, I, think peop- I think companies are paying more attention to this, but it's whether or not they can actually make changes from the inside. And I think that has to start with like, setting a set of values that they're going to make decisions against and actually implementing them and i've actually there's a really good example of like for example barclays bank has done this and they've changed the way their organization runs and it's a it's a pleasure to work with them and and so i mean from your perspective from like you know startup perspective obviously you need to scale your business and that takes investment so do you think that from where you're at now that having a purpose-driven startup has given you an upper hand in like attracting attention and investment or has it not made a difference i think um i mean from an investment perspective we're in a bit more of a challenging position because we're making hardware like we make an actual physical product that needs to be manufactured which is just a lot of investors like to invest in in software tech but i i think definitely um the investors that come to us, they really start talking to us like feverishly about how much they care about reducing food waste. And that's why they're talking to us. And yeah, for sure, we do something that resonates with those and with those people. And, and I think it helps us attract really, we've got a fantastic team. And when we put up a job post, quite a lot of people who apply tell us that they've been tracking Mimica for a few years now, and they've just been waiting for the 
like for the opportunity to come up and come work for us. So I think certainly we're doing something right. And then when they do arrive and, and they're in the team, they are just putting in everything and uh, and uh, it's a it's a pleasure to work with them. So I think there's many benefits, but I mean, it's not it doesn't make it like super easy at the same time. There's still we need to work at it. Yeah. And, and on that point, Mark, so in terms of the, the common mistakes, if there is such a thing that purposeful food companies make, it, uh, you know, what kind of what, what are these common mistakes or are they the same as any normal business? Yeah, I think so. I would say lying. Right. You know, not being genuine, not being honest, okay. not being transparent. You know, there's uh, it was what, a couple of months ago. I don't know if you saw it. The top CEOs in America came out with this big sort of proclamation. They'd had this meeting saying capitalism is broken. You know, we need a new way forward. It's like, yeah, great. We have a new way forward. You know, you guys need to actually walk the walk now. Mm. And I say guys, because unfortunately, <laughs> most of them were men. But the time for talking is kind of over and on, on that sort of thing. I'd say we need to all stand up and, and change things. If we don't like it, change it. Yeah. And they're all saying they don't like it. And that's a really nice, hopeful way to start wrapping up, actually. So at the Venture Summit here, we're, we're surrounded by loads of brilliant startups. You know, what have you seen, whether here or even outside of here, that makes you really excited about the future? What about you, Sol Vega? What are you excited about? Just how many solutions there are to all the problems that we have in the food industry. It's really cool to walk around the kind of marketplace that you guys have set up and, and see all the solutions there of startups and, and many of them are already working with corporates so that just shows that you know that is possible and there are corporates who are paying attention to this change and actually want to be part of this change so that makes me incredibly hopeful and excited to be part of that as well. Love it and what about you Mark? I think I sort of swing between the two I swing between oh no it's all we're, we're finished and it's, it's all a disaster um, and then hope um, and I feel hopeful. I actually think hope is, is the most important word in the English language. And I feel hope when I meet brilliant, passionate, inspired people like yourself who are doing things for the right reason and are genuinely trying to, to fix certain problems that we have. That gives me hope. Amazing. Both of you, thank you so much for your time today. So Solvega Packsteiter and Mark Cudigan, Huge thanks, and everybody at home, thanks for listening to the Food Fight podcast. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.